Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you been avoiding conflict lately? Are you afraid that if you speak your truth to someone, you might damage the relationship permanently? Is inner conflict eating you up inside? Maybe you're thinking one thing, but doing another, and you just can't seem to get your head and heart to line up. As humans, we all deal with conflict. Join Jennifer McKenna now as she talks to business leaders about the importance of conflict and how we can all move through it with greater grace and ease, ultimately taking our relationships and our lives to the next level by facing conflict courageously. Well, happy Thursday, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Conflict Rising. Today, we are speaking to Graham Younger about what I'm going to call gun safety issues, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it. This is something that is near and dear to my heart. Um, full disclosure, Graham and I serve on a, a coalition here in Atlanta to address this issue. Um, Graham is really the expert, and I'm gonna let him talk uh, all about his background and, and why, uh, why that is. I was asked to come into the coalition as a strategist. Um, it's one of the many hats that I wear in my profession. So uh, anyone who has tuned into the show for any length of time knows that it's called Conflict Rising because I cover a variety of topics, some of which are hot topics uh, that are causing divisiveness in our culture today, and to help us really educate ourselves on the truth about the topic so that we can find greater peace, find a way to educate others, find a way to learn more, whatever it is that we need to do to help us move through the conflict within. Um, and other times I have shows on uh, uh, great uh, techniques or practices or ways to help us resolve our inner conflict and come to a greater state of health. So today we are talking about a hot, hot topic, uh, uh, the issue being guns. We have had a rise in mass shootings. I have two teenagers who go to school and they now have shooter drills. Um, I think most of us in American society are on high alert um, more than we used to be because we have seen this uptick in mass shootings. So the conversation around guns has changed dramatically. And, uh, and so this is why I've asked Graham to be on the show. So Graham, welcome. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for being here. So can we start by um, giving you some time to just give our listeners a background on who you are um, and what you do and how it relates to today's topic? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm the state director for Faith in Public Life, um, which is a national organization. Um, I'm their on-the-ground staffer in Georgia, based here in Atlanta, um, and essentially we work to mobilize faith leaders um, on on issues that a lot of times people don't consider uh, faith issues, um, something like gun violence, uh, things like criminal justice or immigration. Um, I think our theory is that um, in today's world, there aren't so many moral authorities and moral voices um, that people think of that are sort of beyond party lines and sort of past partisan politics. Um, and our goal is to make sure that that uh, faith leaders and, and people of faith are, um, you know, having the spiritual practice of speaking out and the spiritual practice of advocacy and, and trying to make the world around them um, as, as the best that they possibly can for both themselves um, and their neighbors. Um, and so within that sort of very broad mandate, uh, Gun violence was one of the issues um, that, that sort of started up our work in Atlanta in the first place. Um, after the Sandy Hook shooting, 
um, a lot of local leaders were really concerned about um, how this could happen, um, the policies around um, our, our, our guns and our, and our um, children and everything else that allowed this to happen, um, and how we, we could potentially um, make Georgia safer and make our country safer. Fantastic. You know, and so this is one of the big reasons why I asked you specifically to be on the show, because I think it's a very interesting um, position to be pulling this issue together with uh, the conversation around faith and, and faith leaders, because I think one of the confusing messages out there in the greater cultural landscape through multiple media channels that, you know, we now are so inundated with information, it's hard to funnel through what's real and what isn't. But, um, but you know, faith, um, uh, if, we, if we look at it um, through the lens of religious leaders, um, I, I, I feel like that's been a very confusing message in the politically uh, charged conversations. And so, you know, I don't know where you are with this, but I'd love your input on, you know, the whole argument about the Second Amendment and the right to gun ownership and so much of that conservative voice is usually in most political issues correlated to conservative Christians. So there's a correlation to faith leaders. Um, now, is that true or is that just a perception that we've picked up on over the last few political campaigns? Um, I mean, I think it might be a completely separate podcast to delve into the term, um, you know, the religious right. Um, I do think that in our country, we've had um, kind of a marriage between a lot of um, conservative social issues and um, kind of the mouthpiece that the church can become. Um, our houses of worship in the United States are really um, powerful tools. Um, we, as, we, as we think about how many people um, are in a pew on Sunday, um, you know, that, that is, um, again, that, that's very powerful. That is, that is something that can be used in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think that um, you're certainly correct in a lot of what you, you what what you're saying there. And we have laws, and we have this idea of the separation of church and state. Um, and it's something that, while is 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 very is very crucial to us, like sort of the guidelines, whether they're from the IRS or whether they're from um, the state government around sort of local elections, making sure that we don't have pastors um, deciding to endorse a particular candidate. Um, all of this is um, all of this is confusing, <laughs> and all of this uh, sort of serves its own purpose. But I think one of the one of the greater um, truths is the idea that you know if you are a person of faith and your faith is as important to you as I think um, a lot of religions sort of demand it to be, um, you really don't have the ability um, to, to to pick and choose when you're going to let your faith um, come forward, um, and that leads to um, a lot of the work that we do where where faith leaders do need to and, and, and people of faith do need to navigate this balance and make sure that, that your faith um, does not become completely aligned with a political party. Um, but I think one thing that we think is that your faith um, does not you know suggest that your um, – that your faith can also suggest that right now I do have to vote for this political candidate, right? Um, and it's mm -hmm. not necessarily – um, a pastor saying that everyone has to vote for this candidate, but it is a very personal um, moment, and 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 the, and the idea that you're um, that if you're living that that faith truly, you know, it's, it's affecting everything that you do. Um, that needs to be acknowledged. That needs to be um, heard, and that needs to sort of ring true in in, in everything that you do. Um, I will say this: uh, faith in public life is, is is also a part of the coalition that you mentioned. Um, the Georgia Coalition for Safe Communities, um, and one of the reasons that I think this this group is very valuable is that faith in public life is is only one piece of it, 
um, and sort of what our faith leaders have been led to is the idea that um, while a lot of our opposition um, to the gun violence in our country is faith-based, um, this coalition is more based around the ideas of public health. Um, and that is something that, um, you know, is, is a different angle, is a different strategy for us. Um, but, you know, we want people to be able to come together around different ideas as they're talking about how gun violence um, affects their communities. Um, it, it's certainly not something where um, we're only able to work with with other faith groups. Like I think we, we recognize the degree to which um, the, the crisis that we're having right now um, is one of public health and trying to look at look at it through that lens instead. Yes, and I do get very excited about that as well. And I wholeheartedly agree with you that we could do an entire podcast on the other subject uh, to broaden kind of the, the conversation. And boy, that is very tempting to do. So maybe down the road, we will revisit that. <laughs> because that is, uh, you know, that's a huge, huge cultural issue in and of itself. So since we came on the show to talk strictly about gun violence and, and what I'm positioning as gun safety <laughs> with yeah. my proactive stance. <laughs> um, uh, so, so let's drill down into that um, from where you're sitting and uh, you know helping this group put their voice collective voice forward what do you feel like is uh, the biggest I guess uh, block you know challenge to our ability to pass gun safety legislation because that I'm just going to say, you know, I already said full disclosure, full disclosure on this, that is my personal passion. I, I, you know, I know there are a lot of opinions out there who would want to challenge me on that, but as a mother of, um, of two growing children, uh, I don't like the idea that anytime we go to a public event or any day when they go to school, they are at risk simply because we don't have simple, straightforward, common sense legislation in place to mitigate that risk. So I'm putting it out there for listeners to know that is my position. But Graham, tell me your organization's position and what do you think the biggest challenge is to getting something like that passed? Yeah, well, as I think about uh, the Georgia Coalition for, for Safe Communities in particular, sort of um, our position there is um, we are looking for safer communities for all of our families. Um, and that is a big, broad statement, right? Um, I think as we talk about the conversation around gun laws, I, our biggest problem is that we're having four or five different conversations at the same time. Um, the the moment that, that that comes in terms of hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, the moment right after a mass shooting is one in which we are all talking about gun safety. Um, and the, the, the fear that you're talking about is you're talking about walking into a school or being in a public place. Um, that's very real. I think it's also important for us to notice to note that um, it's really hard to think of any one um, strategy or any one um, law or any one policy um, that would help us move to, to being safer in that moment. Um, we think a lot about, um, again, these, these very large moments where a gunman um, often only has seconds um, before someone does act properly and potentially stop them from, from the act that they are doing, but because of 
um, because of certain weapons and because of the element of surprise, like there's already been time for, for a massive loss of life in that situation. Um, that's one conversation that we have. And often I think that comes at the de detriment um, of all of the other mass shootings that, that happen every single day. Um, we, we talk a lot about, um, you know, sort of the, whatever the, the number is, it's around and maybe a little over 30,000 gun deaths in America every year. Um, the majority of those are, are happening as a result of domestic violence or suicide or, or things that we don't talk about at all. Um, we, we sort of say like, oh, there, there's been another mass shooting and, and, and we connect it in our minds to um, the mass shooting that happened two weeks before. Um, in those two weeks, there was repeated amounts of intimate partner violence um, that, that, that involved a firearm. Um, there were thousands of um, or, or hundreds or thousands of, of suicide attempts um, that were that were much more effective because there was a firearm involved. Um, and all of these issues are cultural in a way that um, both the Georgia Coalition for Safe Communities and Faith and Public Life um, want to address. Um, we talk all the time about um, the regulations that are in other countries that seem very common sense. And to me, that's that's absolutely true. But it's it's common sense for um, potentially European countries or, or whatever country we're thinking about, where there isn't the same culture of, of firearms. There, um, I think I think there are a lot of different regulations that we could put into place. Um, but until we get away um, from from this idea that um, guns are making people safer or that um, having a weapon um, is, is, is a, um, a, a fundamental right, and especially that, that having a, a weapon is, um, is something that makes you or your family's life more, more valuable than other people's. All these are, are, are potentially dangerous ideas, and, and, and in terms of our faith leaders that we talk to every day, it's not something that they find scriptural support for. Um, in terms of the, the Second Amendment that you talk about, um, I, d I, don't, um, I don't disagree with the Second Amendment. What I do disagree with is the, the, the cult of personality around the Second Amendment. Um, all of the thoughts that make us angrier, um, more violent people. Um, and that's a lot of what um, Faith in Public Life and um, the specific Gun Violence Coalition outcry Interface, interfaith voices against gun violence um, try to focus on every single day um, when there are moments where people are struggling. Um, that group wants to pray for them. That group wants to be with them, and that group wants to advocate for, for better um, uh, firearm and, and weapons laws in our country um, and in our state to make sure that we are moving towards something positive and not throwing up our hands um, and acting as if there is nothing that we could ever do in these situations. Yeah, you, you've you've touched on so many really important points here, and you know one of them that is a direct correlation to the work that I do on a regular basis in terms of culture change in the corporate sector or private coaching um, is that the power of our beliefs, right? That our beliefs are so uh, intertwined in our well, they're basically the basis of of how we operate. Um, it's inner, you know, it's it's within our neural circuitry, which I always liken to the operating system of a computer. Right? If you think of your brain as hardware, you think of your neural circuitry, your neural pathways as the software. You've got all these different applications that have been downloaded that that cause you to operate the way you do. And that, to me, if you liken the the neural processes to your beliefs, um, then those drive your behaviors. And so, you know, there really doesn't necessarily have to be any logic involved. Um, but when when you hit against a belief um, that, that creates a biochemical reaction, which is, a, uh, it can be an emotional response. It can be a, a very strong passion. So I feel like that happens in this discourse about guns, right? That it's it, it seems so objective that you can step back and say, 
um, uh, <laughs> we don't need to fight fire with fire. We don't need to fight guns with more guns. Um, why are we having a conversation about protecting our guns instead of a, a conversation about protecting our children? You know, those seem to be common sense questions. Those seem to be very rational thoughts. Um, but when it comes to how people have been wired around their beliefs, associated with guns, this is how we evoke these very divisive conversations. And to your point, um, why is it that we really only have a spark in interest when there has been a mass shooting? Well, in my opinion, it's because everybody's getting triggered, right? Because when you put it out in a mass medium um, uh a communication stream, you know, through all social media and every news source. And, you know, so you're inundated with it. It is so fear inducing. It is so hard on the human brain um, that I think, you know, it's a natural inclination for everybody to have a huge surge of fear. And with that surge of fear comes all kinds of emotions, um, passionate emotions. So I look at it from that perspective and I think, well, how do we solve this problem? We can't go around and rewire everyone, <laughs> right? Yeah. But what we can do is what you spoke to earlier in the segment, which is what the coalition is doing, and that is we need to go get data. We need to be able to move through these emotionally charged conversations with real information that can help drive good, proactive positive, productive decision-making. Um, because, you know, again, to your point, what about all the suicides? What about all the domestic violence that gets no attention uh, and is causing our society even more harm on a very regular basis? And of course, then, in my mind, it raises the question, boy, wouldn't it be interesting to, to figure out if there's been an uptick in suicide ever since social media, the advent of social media and getting all this information coming at us at lightning speed and very high volume, the negative information. So anyway, lots to ponder. We're gonna take a quick commercial break and when we return, we will continue our conversation with Graham. Stay tuned. Connecting you with the best of the conscious minds in the world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Connect at ohmtimes.com. Ohm Times, creating a more conscious lifestyle. I'm Kathy Williams, host of Sexy Mom Abundant Life radio show on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. On the show, we explore living abundantly in every area of your life. Ways to let go of limiting patterns and beliefs and to step into the flow of creativity and possibility, knowing you are supported by the universe. Opiates has taken everything and everyone I've ever loved away from me everything. I blew my ankle out and I got prescribed pain pills by my doctor. If making my detox public is going to help somebody, I'm all for it. I just wish I would have had a warning. Opioid dependence can happen after just five days. Know the truth, spread the truth. A message from Truth, the Ad Council, and ONDCP. Welcome back, everyone. We're continuing our conversation about gun violence and gun safety with Graham Younger, uh, who is the executive director of Faith and Public Life and a key uh, member of the uh, Georgia Coalition for Safe Communities. So 
Graham, um, what, you know, the, the topic for today's show said guns, guns, and more guns. And it really raised the question, are we really going to try to fight this with more guns? And so it, it, obviously we agree that no, that would be ridiculous. But, um, but you're on the ground. You're having these conversations all the time uh, with legislators and, and other decision makers. And I'm just wondering, what is the truth, right? Was that media hype? Was that just a few loud voices? Where, where are we going with this? What do you think the, the direction ahead of us really is? Um, yeah, well, first, I appreciate the promotion, but I do need to say I'm the state director for Georgia's oh, state sorry. public life. <laughs> I, would not, I would not want our executive director um, to, to, to get on me for that. Um, well, thank you for the correction. My apologies. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, I think... To, to me, in terms of the in terms of the next steps, I actually think there are some really positive ones in terms of in terms of what's going forward here. Um, I don't want to go too far into a history lesson, um, but if you if you research the Dickey Amendment at all, um, since the uh, for, for for several, um, I guess it's almost two decades now. We we had had. Um, we had had a a sort of uh, a no uh, a sort of a sort of stop sign um, in our in our code, um, and it suggested that in the the CDC, the Center for uh, Disease Control's mandate, um, they should not um, you know have the ability or sort of should not feel completely welcome um, to 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 do any study that might potentially promote gun control. Um, and that wording is sort of intentionally awkward. There's been some debates about whether that that Dickey Amendment, which I believe was was put in by a representative um, a representative from from Arkansas, um, whether it actually stopped people from doing it or just dissuaded um, researchers like the CDC. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...from doing so, but it was enough of a, of a chilling effect that for... Many many years, um, the, the the CDC, the National Institute of Health, we we haven't had organizations studying the effect of gun violence. Um, that was sort of openly clarified um, this 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 last session. I, I want to say that was in 2018, and now in 2019, um, we have a handful of um, of, of bills and and sort of. Um, have earmarked some money within the, the federal budget um, that would potentially allow some of these institutes to start studying things again so that we have more information. Um, because as, as sad as that is to say, um, for a long time we've, we've been operating in the dark and, and we are sort of the people who put the blindfold on. Um, I'll also say um, uh, just over this, this, this past week, uh, Senator Isaacson, has tried to put forward or is going to put forward a bipartisan bill that would allow for, I want to say, $75 million in research from for the CDC to start looking into the root causes and the effects of gun violence again. Excellent. And to me, this is the um, – don't know if it's necessarily the first step. I think that a lot of the the events that we've had and a lot of the energy that we've seen from from um, from young people and from faith leaders and, and and from everyone else has probably been the first step there. Um, but this is the step I think for us all to have more of the same conversation. Um, we've been having it at sort of a ten thousand foot level, um, and there's sort of everyone's assumptions about what causes um, gun violence, um, whether it is, you know, all within a person's mind or whether access to a weapon changes things or, you know, the, the ability, the, the accuracy of someone in a high-pressure situation um, to, to hit a target. We've, we've all sort of um, reached a point, and this is true of, I think, a lot of our political discourse, um, where we are all reading from, from different books. <laughs> We all have have different facts and different sources, um, and trying to find um, um, some some information like 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 Senator Isaacson is is, is hopefully going to to, um, to find within this bill um, that people can agree on 
Um, and and, and that, that's the first step to me. It's not a cure-all, but it's a realer, more honest communication um, than we've been having. And I appreciate that, and I hope that people will both look into that and potentially make sure that we are supporting that and trying to have that um, be signed into law. Yes. And, you know, if you think about the power of that, just think about um, the CDC, you know, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, their role in our behavior change culturally and collectively. When they come out with data points about our physical health, uh, you know, the media covers it, it goes through everything, all of a sudden a bunch of new businesses start trying to get you to do this thing, whatever it is. <laughs> Right. Yeah. If we find out uh, salt increases your blood pressure or, you know, I'm throwing random things out. But my, my point being is that when we are armed with legitimate data from an objective source, it does make an impact on our decision, decision making and behavior. And, uh, and, so I, and I, I think it's I valuable think, that, you yeah. Know. I think it's valuable that you threw out a lot of a lot of different sort of maybe more random things because I, I don't want us to go into um, to go into a, a study like this and I, I don't have to tell researchers the CDC this but I think sometimes we do have to tell um, the people who are already trying to make their voices heard um, we don't know the answers to these things yet we may think that we do um, but a lot of times I think we are analyzing um you know these these mass shooting situations and we're, we're focused on details that um may be a contributing factor and maybe something more random so i think it's really crucial um that we're going into this with an open mind because if everyone doesn't go into this with an open mind we're going to fall back into some of the same trap absolutely and i gave really bad examples but i'm just simply trying to illustrate <laughs> that um when we do go into it with an open mind, when we do truly make a very concerted effort to find the truth, and we use legitimate yeah. sources and resources to do this, it has a huge sweeping impact on how we see a situation, how we address a situation, and how we change our minds and our behavior to overcome a situation. And that is, in my opinion, the power of pub public health data. Um, and so, you know, we have changed our behavior collectively uh, many times over, uh, you know, because of public health data. And we don't even think about it. But what do we think is behind some of the diets that we've seen pop up over the years? What do we think is behind, yeah. you know, movements to uh, provide safer sex? Um, pardon, pardon the uh, the randomness again. But I, I'm just saying, you know, the the smarter we are, the better we are collectively as a whole, as a society. And public health is what it says it is. We want our public to be as healthy as possible. Well, how do we know how to get there if we don't really understand certain situations so yeah. I just think it's a crucial step that we've been missing and with the um, absence of it we can all see how detrimental the conversation devolves into passionate rhetoric that is just nothing but divisive um, divisive at best right um, but really catastrophic for People who have been gravely impacted by the death or injury of a loved one from a firearm, I cannot imagine what kind of a surge of trauma or, you know, grief or rage might go through their system when they hear someone trying to defend their gun. Um, and I'm not against guns, that's not my point. It's just we constantly are subjecting ourselves to more and more and more catastrophic conflict by not addressing this appropriately. So, um, so Graham, what, what, when you get together with your leaders um, and they make decisions to move forward and, and, and try to address issues like this, what does that look like? How do you approach it as an organization? Yeah, I think um, 
I think I think it can it can definitely depend um, it can depend on the issue. If we're talking um, specifically about gun violence, I think we have often um, often started moving because of um, proposals that are within the legislature, and that's obviously more of a um, more of a defensive piece. Um, we we had sort of long campaigns around. The, the campus carry bills or the the guns everywhere bill um, that, that, that both of which came up in in Georgia in years past um, so I think a lot of times it is a um, it is a reactive piece to something that is already happening in which case we will get people together um, and 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 sometimes that's a little bit easier right letting people know um, well this is something you know in a big long piece of legislation a lot of people can can find uh, can find a problem with one piece of an, or another edit, um, and from there we can sort of decide um, how to move, who to start talking to. Um, it can be a little bit trickier um, in the in trying to to push something more positive together. Um, we've talked a lot about potentially having a training requirement um, for someone to, um, to to get a to get a weapons license here in Georgia, um, which is something that been passed in states like Texas, um, just, just making sure that people are better trained, and that's something that, that we've sort of taken to our group of faith leaders and, and, and made them um, consider um, consider getting behind something like that, and then making sure that we're talking to elected officials and finding other groups to um, to form partnerships with as we're as we're pushing something like that forward. Um, and the other the other truth is that I think. Um, I think the faith community has a lot to offer in terms of um, in terms of healing at times like this. Um, making sure that uh, after someone sees another tragedy, um, and, and particularly for our group, ones in which um, children have have been targeted, and I think it's one of the ways that um, the people most directly start to think about getting involved in this is is watching a tragedy in which um, our children who who we're supposed to protect um, end up end up being um, end up being the the, the people that, that end up paying the ultimate sacrifice. Um, and we will, in those moments, sort of make sure that the faith community is coming together, um, and and that, that that groups of all faiths are are letting um, letting people know that that they are also concerned with this, and, and sort of showing unity, creating spaces or vigils um, that, that that can allow people to. To grieve um, and potentially to to be inspired to to move forward from something like this, um, and and try to make sure that that we're taking moments like this and and making and 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 in the future, um, making sure that, that that our children aren't going through the same um, the same tragedies that that have befallen us in the past. Right. I can imagine how frustrating it would be to be a faith leader. And to you know spend so much time seeing a congregation or a community suffering so deeply and feeling so helpless to change yeah. it, um, and then when it becomes chronic, that must become so maddening. And I just I have to wonder if that is what inspired um, originally inspired you all to take a, a more proactive stance with this. Yeah, so, I think. Oh, sorry. I, I think well, that was. I, was, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think. I think that the the Newtown, um, the Newtown shooting in particular was one that um, that touched a lot of people. I think um, again, it, it, different um, different mass shootings have have obviously affected different um, different groups more than others, and I think it can be um, it can be some of the shooting or it can be a really personal um, a really personal aspect of your own life um, sort of where you are when you when you see something like this happening um, and, and sort of at what stage in your in your journey toward speaking out you're, you're in at that moment mm -hmm. so when you were describing kind of what you do um, as an organization in this uh, arena it, it I'm, there may be listeners out there who are wondering, wait, so are they a lobbyist? Like, how does this work, right? Because um, I think there are, are many people who don't truly understand 
uh, the difference between lobbying and, and advocacy. So can you touch on that a little bit and, and what you see your role as in that legislative landscape? Sure. Um, first, I think I would, I, if, if people are asking those questions, I'd encourage them to look us up online. Um, our, we're at Faith in Public Life, no spaces, um, dot org. Um, and you can um, sort of sign up for, for some of our some of our mailing lists that are can be separated by states or issues. Um, I think our role in the process can be pretty different. Um, I am a, a lobbyist, um, and I do think that's helpful in terms of sort of guiding people throughout the legislative process. Um, one of the things and one of the ways that I think of myself sometimes is sort of eyes and ears down at the state capitol or at the city council or at um, or in the, the Hall of Congress trying to let people know when something is happening um, because so much is happening at all points. And I, and I don't feel the need for, um, you know, all of our um, all of our constituents, all of our people of faith that follow us, whether that's a pastor or whether that's a Sunday school teacher or whether um, that is that is um, someone in a synagogue um, um, in the, in the, in the, the pews. Um, I want to make sure that we're doing some of that um, alerting people to what's important and then translating it potentially because I think a lot of times our legislative process is more than convoluted. Um, it's sometimes intentionally convoluted. Um, so we will let people know when there's something that we're working on. Um, I'll answer questions and, and um, help explain some of the some of the laws that are that are going through the legislature and make sure that um, that people of faith sort of have the ability in the platform, if there's something that they care about a lot, to reach out to us and figure out how they can have a bigger voice in their community um, and, and a bigger voice for their community, um, regardless of how engaged they are right now. Um, and that can be anything from joining us at a press conference and holding a sign um, that can be setting up a an, um, an appointment with your legislative um, representative um, at the at the state level or the the, the um, national level um, so I think there are a lot of ways that the people can get involved and I think it's a matter of sort of taking that first step taking taking that plunge um, trying to, to get more involved and I think coming into that um, arena as a person of faith can have a lot of, um, of value and especially when um, especially when people are thinking it about it as some of a spirituality practice um, how do I take what I feel as a, as a person of faith or um, um, not a person of faith potentially but how do I take that sense of spirituality and make sure that I'm pushing towards something good. Mm -hmm. And so for those out there who do get, you know, really passionate about this issue, um, you can become an advocate, right, Graham? Isn't that true? Um, by doing some of the things you're talking about? Absolutely. And, and I, um, I, I say this all the time, the, the most effective um, advocates and lobbyists that I've ever seen um, aren't registered as lobbyists. Um, it's someone who, who starts their speech with, you know, I never thought I would be here. Um, it's, it's someone who is definitely not, um, not getting paid to be there, but has a real, you know, moral, um, you know, a, a, a belief um, that has caused them um, to, to become an advocate, something that they care very deeply about. That's much more effective than, um, than, than someone with, you know, the official sort of lobbyist badge that sort of everyone needs to potentially look out for that's, that's roaming the halls of, um, of, of, your, of your state legislature or of Congress. Um, anyone can do this. And, um, and again, if, it, if this is something that you're interested in, I, I do want people to know um, your voice, I think, matters a lot more than, than, than you'll know. Um, Legislators care very deeply um, about their constituents, and we think of them as very busy people, and they absolutely are, but the number of people that have contact with them can often be much smaller than you think it is. 
um, the number of people that it takes to um, to make someone decide to be a champion on an issue that they're already voting yes for, or or to to ease off an issue that they were already a, a sort of a a champion for, and maybe that you're against. Um, those numbers are much smaller, and especially at the state level. Um, and you can have an outsized um, an outsized impact, even if sometimes um, a lot of the issues that we're working on. Um, seem like they're 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 very slow and very hard to um, to make a difference on. Um, I would encourage people again to to go to either the Faith and Public Life website. Um, if you also Google um, Outcry um, GA dot org, um, that's Outcry Georgia. That's it. Outcry Interfaith Voices Against Gun Violence. If you if you Google that, it should pop up. And we have a Facebook page if you're specifically interested in the gun violence piece, like. That's the that's the first step here, um, and it really just helps with the awareness piece. But I think very quickly after awareness, you'll see that there are a lot of opportunities to to push forward for something really good. Yes, and you know the history tells us that when you know that group that there are this power in numbers, right? So what we can't do is just talk ourselves into complacency. That's what we can't do. We can't sit back and say, oh, well, the powers that be are going to do what they want, and now we just all have to be victims of whatever they decide. No. We live in a free country, and we vote, and we have the right to exercise our voice. Um, that's what free speech is about, and I think that the most critical difference between using it wisely and unwisely is the intention we put behind it. So instead of getting impassioned um, with the intent to, you know, fight the opposing view or fight the opposing voice, we really should think about creating a strong collective intention to simply protect our children and grow a healthy society, right? Empower ourselves to be the healthiest, safest society that we can be. We oftentimes and historically have bragged about being, you know, the the great free country. You know, we think of the, the, uh, the president of the United States, whomever is serving in that, but the role itself as the leader of the free world, right? We hear these terms yeah. all the time. Um, okay, so we need to act like it. Right. We need to really take a stand on creating, empowering ourselves and creating the society that is the positive, strong, leading voice for children and for health and happiness. And we certainly can't do that if we simply have confrontational conversations about guns. <laughs> yeah. The guns themselves should not be the center of attention. <laughs> the health of our people <laughs> should be at the core of this discourse. So um, that's my soapbox on this. But uh, but so Graham, when it comes to getting involved with your organization, do people have to be religious? Do they need to be a member of a church or a religious organization, a synagogue, or? Uh, or can they just be a spiritually inclined person who doesn't necessarily practice it in a formal community? Um, who who can be invited to the table? Absolutely, I think I think I think everyone um, can can is certainly invited to the table. Um, and again, I, I I recommend that they get to know a, a little bit more about about what we're doing um, because I really do I I, I stand by. Um, that idea that one of the, the key aspects of the spirituality and that, that nature that you're talking about there um, is trying to speak out. And it is the, um, it is the power I think that comes from, from trying to take on something and something that um, sort of acknowledges some of the, the bigger problems in the world that um, maybe affect you personally, but maybe, go on to affect many more people than you. Um, and I think in order to do that, you, you often need to find a, a group of people to do it with. Um, I say all the time that it's, it's not that we are, um, you know, creating um, voices, it's that we're amplifying them. 
we, we know that they already exist. Um, the goal is just to put a megaphone on them and make sure that everyone is hearing. Yes. Yes. And so, you know, just to, to think about a couple of concepts here in the conversation, one spiritual, guess what? We all have spirits, right? We all, the human spirit, I have often said to clients when they are combating the beliefs in their head and they're trying to change their behaviors and their brain is just being a big bully. And I always remind them the only thing bigger and mightier than the human brain is the human spirit. So we are all spiritual in nature. We have to choose to proactively harness that piece of ourselves. And, um, and, and the spiritual piece of ourselves is always desiring health and harmony and love over fear or anger. The, those things are soul crushing. They are, they are spirit breaking and soul crushing. So, um, so the other thing I, I wanted to just kind of call attention to was the word faith. You know, in this context, faith leaders are leaders of religious organizations and communities. However, faith is an action. Faith is what we all possess inside of ourselves, but again, we have to exercise it. We have to trust that we collectively have the power to make positive change. We have to have faith in ourselves and in each other to have good judgment in this. And um, if we don't feel like our leaders are leading in our best interest, then we have to not sit back in mistaken complacency for faith. We're not doing blind faith here. Faith is an action. We are gonna propel ourselves forward and trust our own voices to be heard um, because we are choosing to exercise those. So, um, so that, you know, I think that was really the biggest uh, reason why I, I wanted to have this conversation. I think a lot of people are talking about guns. But I wanted to elevate the conversation above the guns themselves. So, um, so I, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show today. And uh, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience before we go? Um, I, I think you just put it beautifully. Um, I'd, I'd love for people to check out Faith in Public Life and see if we are a, a good way for you to get involved. And if you're in Georgia, um, check out Outcry Voices, Interfaith Voices Against Gun Violence and um, the Georgia Coalition for Safe Communities. Wonderful. Thanks again for being with us today, Graham. And thank you everyone for tuning in to Conflict Rising. Take care. <laughs>